Hi, I'm Jenny Stein of the TWIP Family Show on the TWIP Network. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 452, The Constant of Change. The only thing that is constant is change, so said Heraclitus of Ephesus, a Greek philosopher. And change has been the tone over the past several years with the constant flurry of new hardware and software announcements that have been peppering the photography industry. But there's also been a fair amount of attrition-based change. As the internet continues its glacial reshaping of the media and education consumption habits of photographers, companies that have built their businesses on the edge of that glacier are falling off and many are consolidating, restructuring, or just shutting down completely. We've seen lynda.com get acquired by LinkedIn, then there was Zenfolio getting absorbed into art.com and more. And this latest round has the Kelby One Empire restructuring and laying off most of its star educators and online personality. Also, Peach Pit Press, which also happens to be Scott Kelby's publisher, has been effectively shut down. And even Larry Jordan of LarryJordan.com isn't immune to the resurfacing glacier. Larry announced in a blog post published February 15th that he would be shutting down operations citing exhaustion and unprofitability. What does this all mean for photographers, the education industry, and in particular, online education? It's Monday, February 15th, 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here to discuss a few of the more interesting stories affecting photographers this week. I'm joined by Mr. Lee Herbert of CapturingPassion.com and Mr. Martin Bailey of MartinBaileyPhotography.com. Hey, guys, welcome. Hello. Evening. All right. You, you guys have seen the notes. You know, there's a lot to talk about in there. Um, before we do it, I want to I just want to touch on a couple of things. Lee, I was I was stalking you via your website. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was young. I, I needed the money. <laughs> I wanted to congratulate you. <laughs> it looks fantastic, man. It looks really nice. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, and I see you got that full motion video. I never did understand how people can do full screen video on their sites and still make the page load fast. So obviously you're a video guy. So I want to ask you about that real quick. How do you, how did you do that? Um, it's actually a plugin that I bought for my Squarespace site that, um, yeah, basically. And they were actually funny enough. So I think it was like $60 or something. And, um, you can just link it to a, um, a Vimeo or a YouTube page and it'll just grab the video from there. The key to it though, is to, um, have the video nice and short so that mm -hmm. when it's buffering, it's so, you know, I think mine's only about 15 seconds long. Um, yeah, 15 or 30 seconds. So it, it doesn't, because otherwise it's going to be buffering and buffering and buffering. So yeah, it's, um, I'll have to dig really it up, nice. but I can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. It looks, it looks really good. And then I saw, also saw that you're doing that whole one page website design thing where you just kind of scroll and scroll and scroll without all the menus, like TWIP, for example. How's that, how's that working? Do people like that? It's, um, I, I did it about three or four months ago and I'm, I'm still experimenting with it. So I'm still not sure if I'm going to, if I'm going to stick with that because 
I mean, so capturing passion, the, what that site is designed to be, it's basically just um, like a like a big showreel for 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 my video work clients. So you know, if sure. I'm if I'm at a networking event and oh, you know, I'd like some video done. Have you got an example of your work? Go check out my website. There it is. Um, but if you actually have a look sort of on the right, there's more stuff for some of the training things that I do and tutorials and stuff like that. So I'm, I, I kind of, I wasn't ready to commit to everything being on a single page. So, you know, the stuff that makes me money is on the front page. And then I'm oh, still gotcha. sort of keeping the other stuff kind of there as well. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been doing it for about three months, another three months. So six months total. And then I'll, look at all the analytics and stuff and decide if I'm going to stick with it or not. Well, it's a it's a good example of a, a very well done page. I would encourage people to go check it out. It's at capturingpassion.com. Go go hammer on Lee's site to make sure that <laughs> it will stay up under pressure. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good test. Just keep loading pages. Keep hitting reload. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to the show, man. It's always a pleasure having you. And pleasure also, Mr... Mr. Martin Bailey of Martin Bailey Photography. Martin, you are um, you're you're always traveling, right? And you're about to head out what on a Japan winter wildlife thing, yep. right? Yeah. With, yeah. More more snow monkeys. Are we going to see some snow monkeys? What's going on? Yeah, the snow monkeys. Um, I'm actually I've just got back um, last Friday evening. I got back from the first of the two winter wonderland. I call them winter wonderland tours because the place is is amazing. But um, yeah. yeah, finished the first one last night, and I start the next one on uh, Sunday evening. And yes, we'll be going over to the snow monkeys, but then heading up to Hokkaido, the northernmost island of Japan, for a further nine days of uh, cranes, eagles, and all sorts of goodies. I think you need to bring a drone out there with you and get some aerials of those snow monkeys, Martin. Hey, you, you, you know, after the last show, I did take a DJI Osmo with me. I ran straight cool. to the store and picked one up. Did you get one? You I got did. One. It's your fault, you, but, I, but I'm glad you told. What do you think? You what do you think? Uh, I think it's great. You were right about the mic, but it, it actually, it's, it's better than I thought. It picks up some audio. Um, yeah. But when, when audio is important to me, I'm using a, an H6 recorder anyway. So, mm. yeah, same um, here. Same here. yeah. Well, but, I have a, you know, before we dive into the show, I have a problem with my Osmo that I'm, I'm testing now. I'm going to record a little uh, example slash, I don't know, I want to share my results of, of some things I found out. So mine, I don't know if it's yours, but mine and several other people online have found that your audio drifts out of sync over time uh, uh. with this thing yeah and it's funny because i did this interview with two dji people on treasure island here in the bay area <laughs> and over you know i i haven't even put it up yet because it's like i gotta sync all the the clips because the video from that built-in mic and from lav mics apparently mm. drifts out of sync lee you can sympathize drifts oh. out of sync over time you know so you start it's in sync and by the end of the 14 minute because it chunks in 14 minute uh, clips at the end of that 14 minutes it's like you know bad godzilla movie it's you know <laughs> nobody is, it's not matching is not matching at all in the dji forums apparently people are you know rightly so upset about it but i'm hoping this is a firmware update otherwise mm. it's just going to be a sync thing you know rec like record you know separately and do like a clap or something and sync mm. from that at the beginning but 
Let me know. I would do some tests, Martin, before you go mm. out into the field with that. <laughs> well, I've been doing a few short clips. I haven't done anything really long with it yet, but it, yeah. it's great. I mean, I, I love being able to just handhold and get 4K oh, video yeah. at, the, at that quality, you know, the, and the, the yeah. without I any. It. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's aside great. from that, aside from that, I mean, I think the the workaround until they fix the onboard thing is obviously just to do your hand clap and sync like we used to do back in what nineteen forty three or something. <laughs> hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey, we 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 still do that. Yeah, Yo, dude. I, I do. I, you know, I, I thought play. I have pluralize. Have you guys heard of that software pluralize? Yeah. From Red Giant Software, I have that, and that thing. It's magical. You're supposed to just be able to throw any audio and video at it. It will analyze the waveform and then sync everything up and then spit out a Final Cut or a Premiere Pro project for you then to go cut up. But he can't sync with the Osmo because the Osmo's <laughs> reference audio is out of sync. <laughs> it's oh, like the source of truth is yeah. lying. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. anyway, so I've, I'm working on that. I'm, I've been doing... Now, it was actually Sharky James of the Petapixel podcast got me into yeah. this, got me onto the Zoom H6. I've been using a Zoom that I plug into an iPhone, um, mm. but he got me onto the to the H6, and I'm loving it. You know, I'm just doing because over the years I've done a lot of audio recordings to to kind of augment my my photos, but I've I've been getting like the the cranes honking and all sorts of different yeah. sounds and just just building a library and. Um, you know that thing's great. I should have made that my pick of the week, but I've, I've got a, I've got another thing to talk about. Oh, okay, yeah, I love. It. I have one of those too. It's yeah. it's great. It's like the Optimus Prime of digital audio recorders. Yeah, I'm a. It's you yeah. know modular and it just does everything. It's very yeah, cool. amazing. All right, guys, let's jump into these stories. Uh, number the, the story number one. This is you know unfortunately you could almost like set your watch by these things happening. So Google is shutting down Picasa. And also, uh, I want to say that they're shutting down Google Glass, but they at the very least have shut down all of the social accounts, the Facebook, the Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, for Google Glass. So those are gone. So, you know, it looks like, so here's a little, the little lead in I wrote. So Google is pulling the plug on yet another beloved service, Picasa. The company says this move is so that it can focus efforts on Google Photos. Google has also shut down its social media accounts for the, for Google Glass. So Lee Herbert. Looking at this, um, you can, I mean, on the one hand, you could say, come on, Google, you're always shutting these services down. Look at all these things you start with big fanfare, then you shut off. On the other hand, you got to commend them. They're saying Google Photos is where it's at. This is going to be the new thing. And, you know, why have two things and two sets of resources working on two products when we can focus all of our efforts on making Google Photos great? What do you what do you think about this? I'm I'm very curious to see how people react to this because you know when Apple does something like this when they killed off iPhoto and then brought on Photos there was a lot of hoo ha and a lot of people complaining and it'll be interesting to see if Google gets the same response I think it'll also sort of tell a little bit as to how many people are actually out there using these services so <laughs> yeah. you know it's like you know when people kill you know if, if Google killed off Google Plus um, it's not going to be like, you know, a great many voices cried out in agony and then would disappeared. It'll just be like, oh, Dave in the corner is really upset. Oh, that's, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> I, know, I know. But, but, but um, I, 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 th- I, think, I think you are right that they, you know, 
we do need to give them credit that at least they're not just sort of going, right, well, it's dead, deal with it. They're going, well, look, mm-hmm. we've moved on to something else and we're taking a different approach. And, you know, in, I read the announcement and they sort of said, you know, if if you're using it now, it'll keep working. It's just, we're not going to keep updating it anymore. So if you want to keep using it, keep using it, but we're going to the future. This is how we're getting there. Come along with us. We'd love you to have you on the journey. Yeah, it's saying they will no longer support the Picasa desktop application as of March 16th, 2016. In addition, they'll be archiving Picasa web albums data at a later date while encouraging those users to convert over to Google Photos. Martin Bailey, what about you? Uh, The loss of Picasa, was it just a necessary sort of hanger on and it just needed to go? Or, you know, the the other way to look at it is, is... like Google alluded to in their article in the blog post, there are lots of people that are using this that have invested a lot of time building albums and keep, you know, doing all sorts of things. They put their lives into Picasa, you know, and we know what I say about putting your life in a cloud service, but they put their lives into this, this app, uh, this cloud service app. And then of course, Google says, Hey, we're moving in that direction. What do you Mm. think, Martin? Well, I think it, yeah, you, you just, we we're obviously on the same page with that. You, you don't really want to be putting your lives into any cloud service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the ideal thing to do with with anything like this is if you want to use a service like that, then you really want to have a, a desktop um, backup and organization, something. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I use Lightroom, and Lightroom now costs money if you go through the subscription. You're still going to have to pay for um for it a standalone if you want that so you know people if you don't want to buy anything at all then i can see the the kind of see the benefits of working with something online but you know every every operating system has something free in there for you to to organize images with so you know in lightroom if i'm going to do something if i'm going to organize something online then i organize it locally first and then upload the organized bit you know, so I, I have collections in Lightroom and everything is organized there. So if I lose any part of my cloud or website or anything like that, or I decide to totally change and redo it again, um, everything that I own is already in exactly the same order and collections locally. So I can just rebuild it really quickly. And I yeah. think that that's something that people tend to not do they they get hooked into something like picasa and they'll say oh yeah this is great and i mean it was it was a a decent bit of software in its day um but people get into it and they they start to put all of their emotional sort of time and yeah everything that they're going to do they put it in put it in online you've really got to do that all locally and then use those sort of services just as the as the end point you know it's it's really just yeah, getting getting things organized locally to begin with, um, yeah. and then it it basically puts a barrier or a buffer between you and everything else that could go wrong, and generally at some point will go wrong. Yeah, I mean, especially with these services, it's it's scary because it's, you know, you look at them in, in the marketing programs and the marketing push they have for these these free services is really enticing, especially if you don't have you don't have a whole lot of money, like you know give us all of your photos, we'll take care of them, you know, set your app to automatically upload every shot you take on your phone to us, it'll be safe in the cloud forever, come (laughs) on in, come on in, 
and then you get this email, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. like this, you know, all that stuff we said, you know, it's, you know, we, we've decided to go in a different direction. So we're going to give you some time to figure it out. But all that, all that other stuff is kind of forget that we're on to the next thing. So, yeah. So like you said, uh, maintaining your own archives, backing your own stuff up. And then instead of using these online services as the alpha, use them as the omega, right? Yeah, <laughs> so right, right. you're online, you're, you're, your home computer is the source of truth. That's your alpha. Everything else is omega. You know, it's the ending. It's the, you know, the secondary stuff. So I don't know. It's great. What about Google Glass, Martin? We're, we're talking to you. So you know, I don't think you ever jumped on the Google Glass bandwagon. For those who don't know, Google Glass was this, uh, is, it's hard to say if it is a was yet, but it is slash was this experiment from Google Labs where they created basically augmented reality glasses that you could put on and it put a little kind of TV in front of your eye and through a little touchpad on the side, you could control the UI, you could see emails, you could take pictures and video, you could live stream to Google Plus, all that stuff. And then they, of course, got hit with a lot of negative backlash when they launched it because A, it cost $1,500 to get one of these things and be part of their Explorer program. And B, lots of people were doing inappropriate things with them, like wearing them into restrooms and things like that, which is, <laughs> which then begat the, the term glass hole. Right. So now, now I didn't make that up. That's a thing. So, so now, uh, as of the, you know, we're reading this thing, this comes to us from TechCrunch and Reuters, Google has closed down the social accounts for Google glass. So do, does that mean they're refocusing it and doing something else and they're going to rebirth it? Or does this just mean, you know, the landing gear is down and the plane is taxing into the uh, into the gate? What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good. It's it's definitely a sign that they're that they're rethinking their strategy around Google Glass. And I, I never did get get a pair, but I, you know, I thought it was a cool idea. And if anyone's yeah. going to make that work, it's going to be either Google or Apple. Um, yeah. I would prefer Apple, but <laughs> but well, uh, Apple Apple's betting on the wrist, right? So their yeah, their version yeah, of Google yeah. Glass oh. is is the Apple Watch. Yeah, Apple Apple will give you something like Google Glass, but as soon as you see something they don't like, it just goes black. <laughs> exactly, or it gets yeah. a little outline around it and redacted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think it's I think it's one of those things that you know they they're obviously they're a business and they they make their they make their money in in various ways that you know not traditional you know they don't necessarily sell much it's it's mostly from ads and things um or bullying people on youtube but we won't get into that um, <laughs> um i remember but, that i remember yeah, that yeah, yeah. so uh, now you know I, I i think it's a shame that they that they do seem to be pulling the plug but, but i think that there's going to be somewhat some other company that will come along and and do something similar or or maybe even better you know i mean who knows we might be have google contact lenses in a few years or something where it's just it's all embedded in a little bit of jelly on your on your eye can you um, imagine can you imagine yeah. that, you know it's it's the Picasso metaphor again. They're like, you know what? We're going to give you new eyeballs and yeah. they're going to do all these amazing things. Yeah, of course, you know, there's a little surgery involved, but we're going to give you these <laughs> new eyeballs and you'll be able to do all this cool stuff. And then 10 years later, yeah, we didn't really. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to turn your eyes off, but uh, they're not, we're not going to support them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, where, and where did we put the old ones? Yeah, that, that, that color update we were going to push out, we're, that's not going to happen. 
Yeah. yeah. I know you guys were waiting for the infrared spectrum, but you know, we we you know, we're on tough times, we're not we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh it could happen. I don't know. Lee Lee, what do you think? I mean, Google Glass, was it doomed from the start? Uh and this this move of them shutting down the social accounts, does this mean should we just take that as it's over, or are they just kind of taking their ball back and going to repolish it and relaunch it as something else? Well, I, th- I think they said a while ago that they sort of were stopping to support it. So, you know, the, the taking down the, the social media stuff is just one step of that. Um, yeah. You know what? It's it's one of those where, in fairness to Google, they always said it was a beta and they never said it wasn't going to be anything but a beta. So there should have been a big buyer beware for people who were buying it. Um I, I really wanted to get a pair, but in, in my Australian pesos, it would have been, you know, a lot more than 1500 And yeah. I couldn't justify that for a toy. And at the end of the day, it was just a really cool mm. toy. Um, I mean, f- f- for me, for my use, where I, e- even just a couple of days ago, I sort of, oh, this would have been great for Google Glass is, you know, I've got a seven-month-old. And this is the first one. The second well, it one. It just seems just like last month, see, just last month, you said you had a six-month-old. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's how math works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> just check it. You know, <laughs> so he's, you know, he, he's doing stuff all the time. And with the first one, we're taking lots of photos. The second one, I'm sure we won't. There'll be like three photos of him, and there you go. Um, yeah. But the but the first one, you know, I want to grab photos, and he knows what the phone is. And as soon as I pull the phone out to take the photo or to get a video, he stops doing whatever he was doing, and I'm like. Ah, so you know, it, to have something built into your glass, if you can just tap and it takes a photo, I think that was phenomenally compelling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the, you know what it was beta. We all knew it was beta. We kind of hoped it would get past that, but I don't think people can really complain. Yeah, you can, but they did put a lot of marketing effort behind it, right? And they were like painting this picture of this future utopia where you could do all these cool things with the glasses, kind of like the self-driving car thing right so you could argue self-driving cars are beta too and if yeah, they don't yeah, push yeah. them out then oh it was just a beta it didn't matter but now they've got us all excited about these driverless ubers floating yeah, around the world but, but right? frederick if, if you're in an abusive relationship and they yeah. keep abusing you and you keep going back <laughs> sounds <laughs> sounds like an like being an entrepreneur <laughs> You know, it's it, like they keep telling you they're going to do it. And you're like, oh, no, no, they don't mean it this time. It'll be good. It'll be know, g- oh, wait, they I did know. it to me again. I know. I know. Oh, you are so right. It's so right. We're 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 battered. We're the battered spouse, male or female in this relationship. But yet, because we're addicted to technology and all these cool things and we they keep, keep going back. So to your to your analogy, Lee, it would be like, yeah. I got beat up again, but here's a gift. I just got a new iPad that <laughs> makes it all okay, and then it happens again. You know? yeah, so yeah. I don't know. And and and, 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 if, and if you're okay with that, and nobody's actually getting hurt, I just want to throw that out there. Um, yeah. yeah. Th- then you know, if if as long as you go in understanding that, hey, look, this is this is a beta. Have fun with it. It may not work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And by mm. the way, to participate in this beta, it's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no uh, refunds. Yeah, 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 and no refunds. Yeah, you, wow. You know, the, just one one thing to add there. You know, I think that yeah. the thing is, I I agree that you know the beta thing is there, and it was always hanging over it. But most people think that when when there's a beta out, there's going to be a version one at some point. Um, 
Yeah, no, normally it, it does result in a in a product, but yeah, I, I it's all the thing with Google and anything they they're really pushing the boundaries, and so I, I guess. You know the beta thing I, I agree with, but I I'm also thinking that you know pretty much anything they do, you know it's it's going to be until something actually comes out and they say that it is a, a final product, then I guess yeah we we don't have to um, yeah. really take it that seriously. Um, but look at look at Mail as the example though. I mean people built their entire businesses around Google Docs yeah, and using yeah. Gmail, and Gmail was I don't know is it still beta? It was beta for like like five, 10 years or something mm. like it was beta forever until we finally removed that, that, that moniker. So what, you know, I wonder what constitutes bringing something out of beta mm. in the, in the Google world. But, but you know, on the other hand, on the, on, the, on the other hand, and when you look at this stuff, so I don't want to come down too hard on Google because they Google much like Apple has more money than we could probably ever even imagine. Right. So they've got, giant coffers full of money that they can spend and they're spending it on interesting things like project loon with the balloons like these self-driving cars google glass and a bunch of other things i have no idea about right so they're they're taking some of that huge profit that they have and they're trying to make the world better i would say you know obviously they want to have some profit in there but they're doing interesting things with that Conversely, on the Apple side, <laughs> I haven't seen a whole lot of that kind of stuff, if any, you know, and Apple has gigantic coffers of cash that they're sitting on, too. So wouldn't it be cool to see some experimental stuff like that come out of Apple instead of just Google and, you know, I want to see some Elon Musk type stuff come out of Apple, <laughs> you know, rather than just yet another iPhone that is thinner, lighter and has a better camera on it. Right? But I think I think with a lot of I mean, I'm. I'm I'm sure Apple does a lot of that stuff. It's just they don't make it public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if a tree falls in the forest and doesn't make a sound, did it really fall? Right. So we don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, what they're doing back there. So. But it wasn't a good tree. We're going to get you a really great shrubbery later. <laughs> exactly. I shrub. No, Apple would just call it shrub. They would call it shrub, and then <laughs> like pencil. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk out, talk about some big layoffs happening or that have happened over at Kelby One. There's a new photography conference on the scene, and it's called Out of Chicago, and it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience. So you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. 
All right, guys, the photography industry continues to morph and change. Last year, lynda.com was absorbed into LinkedIn. Um, and the latest big news on the education front is that Kelby One has let go a number of its celebrity status educators, including lots of friends of TWIP, and they're refocusing their efforts um, in order to serve their members better. So, Martin, you saw this, and I didn't even, you know, honestly, I'm so out of touch. I feel like if you don't stay plugged in to the net, you just miss all this big stuff. And I was admittedly out enjoying the world and flying my drone and taking pictures. <laughs> and I didn't even see this come about. And and someone tweeted me and they was like, what's going on at Kelby? So I looked it up and I saw this post on the we'll link to this letter that Kel, Scott Kelby wrote and put on the Kelby One blog. But they go into some of the reasonings behind all this. And reading that, it's it struck me as, you know, I was I hate reading letters like that from companies that I know and love that that go under and then they have to write the mea culpa and sorry and we're restructuring yada yada yada. But especially from Kelby, because Kelby's a friend and I didn't, you know, I'm like, oh man, I hate seeing bad things or even restructuring things happen to people I, I know, like and admire. Um, but then, you know, also the other big names, like I, I said, the celebrity educators like RC and you know, uh, Pete Collins and Brad Moore, all these, Mia McCormick, all these people are no longer there. So what do you think this means? Like to the, Martin, what do you think this means to the education, the online education space with Linda happening and now this happening and with Kelby? Is it, is this the YouTube effect or is it something else? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say at the moment. It looks as though they're struggling because, you know, I mean, you, they're, they're saying that they're refocusing and, and they're going to concentrate on, that on their core values, which is the online education, and yet they're cutting the some of their best educators. Right. So you know it, they they must be struggling. Um, yeah. It is a shame, you know. I mean, Lynda dot com. I, I still, if I get a, a piece of software that's brand new to me, um, I'll generally go. I, I don't subscribe monthly or yearly to either service anymore. But I over the years I've used them both, and I've I've found them really useful. So. You know, it is a shame. I think that the um, it looks as though they're they're struggling. I hope that they're able to get through this. And uh, and I, I would, I would love to see people like RC and uh, and you know the well, Pete Collins, Brad Moore, and uh, Mia McCormick. Just the, those four that are the ones that are listed. I mean, I I love the way RC delivers his his training. I think mm -hmm. he's really talented, and so I'd love to see those guys either back or go off and start to, to do stuff themselves more. But I think the thing is, any service like this has got to be hurting because there's there's a lot of competition now. Um, and there's a lot of people that are putting out videos um, with a lot of good information in just as for the marketing benefit. I mean, look at look at me with and, and, and TWIP as well. But, you know, like I've got 510 episodes in my on my blog that are totally free. And then they're free because it's leading to other marketing benefits, such as people turning up on, on photography tours with me. And so there's a lot of competition in various forms now, um, even directly training and, and other, um, either for photography or for software like Linda, lynda.com does more. Um, it's got to be a hard space to be in at the moment. So rather, I mean, I would have liked to have seen rather than, okay, we're going to concentrate on our core principles and cut most of the people that really enable us to do that. I would rather see a total morph and actually something totally different, right. rather, you know, and where they, where they could move into a space that and even create a new space. 
Just um, like reboot it, reboot the whole right, thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how Creative Live is doing. I mean, I have no no insight, but you look at the the three big players that I I have in my head when I think about online education are Linda, Creative Live, and Kelby. So we've seen Linda get absorbed into LinkedIn. Hmm. Kelby restructures, lays all these people off. I'm wonder I'm wondering is is something like this in the cards for Creative Live, or conversely, did Creative Live just get it right, you know, mm-hmm. with their business mm-hmm. model, and that's why they're still sustaining and cranking and growing? So, I don't know. Maybe Lee, Lee, what do you what do you think about this? The whole education space morphing and changing. I've got um, a lot of well, I've got a, a lot of opinions on a lot of things, but particularly this one because um, I mean, my um, training is is used to be my, my my number one bag. Like I was a trainer for ten years at Apple, and when, when I I, I, I I don't want to sound like one of those people who's oh I saw it coming, but I kind of so when I left Apple two and a half years ago, my focus was on training. So you know my business card said trainer and all that kind of jazz. And I suppose a little bit of my story, I I I wanted to do video production, but all of my certifications were in training, all of my you know all the pieces of paper and everything. So okay, well I'll go out as a trainer, and you know I was doing all right, but one of the biggest challenges that I found was everyone wanted training. Everyone saw value in training. Nobody wanted to pay for it. Mm. So everyone was like, Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll get you into to train our staff on how to set up their iPads and we'll get you to come in and train our people on how to use final cut. Um, And then like, well, well, it's this much. Oh no, no, no. We don't have the budget for that. And and we'll get back to you, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so, my personal experience in this is that that a lot of people, everybody wants training, but nobody wants to pay for it. And you talked about the YouTube element of it. So the dis, you know, there is so much information out there on YouTube. So the the advantage is it's out there. The disadvantage, and this is the kind of stuff that I tried to talk about in my sales pitch for my training, was that you know, number one, the quality of the training. Just because you know a lot about something doesn't make you a good trainer. You know, you've got to know that there's a lot of involved in, in adult learning techniques and reading a room and all that kind of stuff. Also, just the quality in terms of, like, I'm a real sound snob. So if I get onto a YouTube video, and even if it's the most amazing thing that I really want to learn, and it's some person who's just using the built-in mic on their laptop in an echoey room, I'm like, no, I'll I'll go read a book. I No, I'm no. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually that echo, that echoey auto follow audio follows a really glitzy three D ninety nine designs opening animation, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, it's and like all this crazy one. stuff, and then boom, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I mean, on, on like on this topic, I just got an, uh, a thing in my feed this morning that Larry Jordan, who's one of the big um, Final Cut and yeah. Premiere training houses, they're closing down. So, what? Yep, Larry Jordan. <laughs> I'm Pull a subscriber to Larry's. Oh, you will God. you will get an email shortly to explain to you what's going on with uh, going forward. So, <sighs> you know, I, That's I scary. Oh. Well, you know, what? I was I was thinking about this this morning when when the show notes came through, and I I think where it's going is at least what I see with a lot of my friends is in terms of distance learning. So stuff like online tutorials and things like that. I, I think that's kind of going away. I think the reason why Linda did all right was because they had such a wide range of stuff. So I think yeah. in this case, specializing is actually not a good thing. 
And I'm finding that where people do still see value is in hands-on training. So things like Martin's workshops, Valerie's workshops, people actually making an event out of it. So traveling and having hands-on experience is where people see value. Whereas just the classroom sort of, you know, what we used to call chalk and talk. I I think people are going to struggle to get money for that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the different modes of learning, as educators say. You know, you guys may or may not know, I sit on the board at Brooks Institute down in Santa Barbara. I'm, a, I'm the vice chair of the board down there, which is a brick and mortar school. And all brick and mortar schools have been suffering, right? Because mm. it's much because of the YouTube effect, the Kelby effect, the Linda effect, et cetera, et cetera. Why should I fly and go to school there when I can, I feel I can get an education online or from books and that kind of thing? But there's the different modes of learning, right? So there's the, the, some people need to have their butt in a seat at a certain time and be able to raise their hand and have, ask their question and interact directly with another human in order to kind of grok the information. Some people hate that and would rather sit in front of their iPad alone, you know, with a glass of wine and learn about a particular topic. Other people are field learners and they want to go out with Martin on a workshop and learn while actually creating great images. I don't think there's any one, mm. like one mode of learning that fits everyone in, in any instance, but we're learning that, that some of these older modes don't necessarily fit anymore. And I think, you know, looking at like when Linda and Kelby first came out, it was the, the looking at it from a business perspective, it was hard. It was relatively hard to build a site put commerce on that site, sell membership to videos, all that, all that stuff was kind of magic. And now you could do it with a Squarespace site, right? Mm-hmm. You could, you could go sign up for Squarespace tonight and be selling videos tomorrow online and have a membership library online tomorrow. So those barriers have fallen along with the YouTube effect and all this other stuff. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see where things are today and, you know, where they might go. When, when I, if, if I'm going to learn something, Martin, like with the DJI Osmo, right? I got that thing. I'm like, okay, I want to learn how to use it and what it, you know, what it's about and all that. First thing I did was go binge watch like 10 YouTube videos from people that already had it and did their walkthroughs and unboxing and all that stuff. So by, by the time I got mine in hand, I felt like I already knew everything about it. Yeah. I was like, I turned it on. I already knew that, oh, I got to unlock the gimbal. I got to do this. And you know, be careful of unlocking the base because it'll fall off, you know, <laughs> all that stuff I already knew. But I'd, I'd make the argument that, again, in terms of the value in training and, you know, I'm a trainer, so I'm, you know, I've got a, I've got a dog in this race, um, mm-hmm. is that, so you went and watched 10 YouTube videos, whereas if mm-hmm. you, and I mean, you, I know you're, you are very time poor. So mm-hmm. if you, if someone came to you and said, Hey, look, you could spend, you know, an hour watching 10 YouTube videos that are kind of covering what you're doing, or you could spend $10 and spend 10 minutes instead of an hour getting the same information. And, and that's sort of the selling yeah. point. And unfortunately I think kids these days um, <laughs> are, are happy just to do that one hour instead of spending a little bit of their pocket money and, you know, getting, the, the information. Yeah, I, I hear you. But it's, it's also, you can't discount the fact that it's not just the, the being able to get uh, a concentrated dose of information. It's also on YouTube. There's also the, the component of 
these are just average people. Mm. These aren't polished, you know, no, no offense to the trainers, but these yeah. aren't polished trainers. These are just, this is the dude next door that turned on his camera and is recording his experiences. So you get that level, that level of honesty that, yeah, yeah maybe honesty is the wrong word, but you get that level of some kind of cinema verite. It's rough and it's yeah. rough on purpose. And you learn more that way because you're able to connect more with that person. But on the other hand, if I want to learn, like right now, I'm in this mode of, okay, I need to learn how to fly my drone better. I'm not going to try to learn that from YouTube videos. I want to go find a site that, or someone or a workshop or something that's going to teach me how to do it the right way. Cause I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's something that's that important that I want to learn how to do it instead of trying to figure in blind man, my way through a bunch of YouTube videos to figure it out. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's different tools, right. Yeah. And different, there's different tools for every job and there's different people that gravitate towards different tools for every job. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's interesting where all this stuff is going. Where, what do you, so Lee putting on your trainer hat again, Yeah. fast forward, you know, let's just say I was going to say 10 years. Now you just say five, 10 months, fast forward, fast forward five years into the future. What does education look like? Like online education in particular? What I do think, you think? Um, well, I mean, if you go five years, it'll all be VR and you know, you, yeah. you, you know, you, you'll, so you'll, we'll be sitting in classrooms again. <laughs> no, you, you'll, you'll be sitting on the toilet with a headset on in a classroom. <laughs> Why would the toilet be in the classroom? I don't. I don't. Oh, you're vo- you're virtually oh, right, right, right. in the room virtually with a bunch of other people. Yes, yes, yes. No, why yeah, would you virtually right. be in the toilet? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like five years. So it's so I'm I'm actually talking at the moment with um a media school um, uh, which is overseas, and they're looking at getting me to do some training for them. And so we're looking at two things. One is some advanced Final Cut Pro training and motion training. And then the other one is camera technique. So actually, how do you move a camera for video and why do you do a, you know, a sweeping shot or a low shot or a high shot and all that kind of stuff. And you know, what, what I'm struggling with for building this, this uh, curriculum is the final cut stuff is easy, you know, because I can just share a screen and, you know, click here, click there, do this, do that. But the hands-on stuff, it's literally hands-on. So, you know, the, the best I can come up with at the moment is, right, well, I will show you some clips that I've shot. And here is one thing happening and I've shot it this way. And here's another thing happening and I've shot it that way. And you see why this way works and that way doesn't. So, like you said, I think it depends on what you're teaching. I think some things lend themselves to remote teaching and other things you can teach them remotely, but there's no substitute for hands-on stuff. Um, yeah. So I think I think it's one of those where as, as YouTube gets more and more powerful, um, the stuff that can be taught remotely, there will be far less money to be made there, um, if any. Yeah. And... I think where the industry is going is that that there'll be, you know, you'll charge a fair bit more, but you'll give a hands-on experience and it'll be a more of an, more of an exclusive experience for hands-on. You know what I would pay for uh, on, and maybe, maybe you Google, Google tube or YouTube is working on this, but wouldn't it be great if you could say you wanted to learn, I don't know, final cut or some, some app or something. Um, Wouldn't it be great to have a, get a curated experience right now you can do you can do playlists and all that mm. stuff on on youtube now but wouldn't it be great to be able to say okay these people have gone through and found the very best youtube videos that cover these topics and put them together and i can go you know i can go watch That's those cool idea you know 
right? So like a, a curator that's that's going in and sifting through. There's they have this for apps in the app mm. store because the app store has the same issue, and they have people that go through and say, "We found the very best ten apps this week for." first person gaming or something like that and you don't have to go through and kind of blind man your way through it you just go to their list wouldn't it be great to have something like that for youtube too i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. all right guys let's uh let's move on we got one more story to get through we're gonna take another quick break uh, when we come back you're gonna learn how to talk how to turn small potatoes into millions of dollars <laughs> This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, we are back. Photographer A. Bosch recently sold a photograph of a potato for $1.5 million. Yes, a photo of a potato. And uh, <laughs> I put a little thing there. So uh, <laughs> I want to say this joke, but I'm not going to say it. Anyway, the story goes that Kevin uh, and a wealthy businessman, a, f- a friend of his, were hanging out, having a few glasses of wine. His friend saw this photo and said he had to have it and then ultimately bought it for $1.5 million. Martin Bailey, do you have any (laughs) friends that you could drink wine with that you could like, you know, bring over to your house and show them the photos on your wall back there? (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, that that one back there, that one in the middle, that's $3 million. Um, Oh, that's only three. You dropped it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but you know, I mean, I, 
I've got mixed feelings about this. Um, it, one part of me is saying, you know, if the guy's good enough friends to be over your house drinking wine with you, just give him the freaking photo. Um, <laughs> and the other, the other thing is, yeah, the other thing is, yeah, all power to him. If I could make a million and a half dollars for a photograph, I'd do it. You know, and mm-hmm. and I'd take all of the flack as I'm laughing all the way to the bank. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually, it's it's cool timing because I was actually, I was while I was on the landscape tour in Hokkaido at the beginning of January or middle of January, I I found, I saw this, um, just all it was was the top of a hill, the brow of a hill covered in snow and a dark, well, a lightish gray sky. And I, I made this photograph that was literally just, there's probably... 2% difference in luminance between the top of the hill and the sky. And you can just see this line. And I'm, I was joking to the, to the group saying, here's my $3 million photo. And I was thinking I'm using three because I think that that's how much the Rhine photo shot uh, was sold yeah. for a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously a part of me actually does quite like that. A part of me would love it if someone offered me $3 million for a photo. Um, but yeah, I mean, if a Bosch can, can get that for a, for a photo yeah, all power to him. Um, yeah. I would love to. I mean, the time will also tell. I mean, the guy's already got some. Some um, he's got the he's got his chops sort of in. He's selling. He's doing work, portrait work for you know top celebrities. He's he's already out there. It's not like he's a no name. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the people, someone that buys something like that from him, they're they're buying his name. They're buying his mm. brand. There there is value in that, but. At the end of the day, it's still a spud, right? It's not- <laughs> it is. It is a photo. You guys saw the photo. We'll, we'll definitely link to this in the in this in the blog post. But it's a picture of a photo, and it's his signature. It's Abosh's signature sort of black background, you know, with the image featureless black background with the with the image in front. But the image in front is a a disembodied spud. I don't know, Lee Lee Herbert. What what do you think of this? Where can I find me some rich friends with lots of money and no taste? <laughs> and add some, you got to add some wine into that too. Like, yeah, yeah. They can afford to bring the wine themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not spending money on them. Uh, yeah. I mean, Martin said it all. It's, you know, this, the, this guy's already got a name. So, you know, you're not buying a photo of a potato. You're buying a photo of a potato by this guy in the style. And there's obviously, you know, some very wealthy people who see value in it. And and as much as it pisses me off whenever I see something like this, it's like, you know what, if if you can do something and there's people out there who see a certain amount of value in it, power to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm on the fence a little bit, Martin. I hear you. You're like, you should just give that to your friend. But on the other hand, Martin, if you came over to my house and you saw one of my pictures on the wall and you're like, Frederick, I'll give you $500,000 for that. And I'm, mm-hmm. what's going through my head is Tesla. Okay. <laughs> yeah. no, I, mean, I could get a Tesla for that. <laughs> you could get us all Teslas for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm going both ways. Because, you know, I mean, I, it, it, maybe it depends on the friend. Maybe that's a mercenary thing to say. Um, I've got some very wealthy friends, but you know, I still think if they came to my house, I'd probably would just give them the, give them the photo. But yeah. having said that, I mean, you know, it's when I saw, first saw this, I started to think about pepper number 30, you know, the, the Edward Weston photo. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, it, it's a pepper, 
And but it but that image is actually beautifully lit, and I still it's still probably one of my favorite photos, and it it's it got a few similar qualities, but it's still a spud. <laughs> a spud is a spud. I've got an interesting take on it. So because I'm just I'm curious about the point in the relationship that he has with this friend of his, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of us have got the situation where we've got cl- people who started out as clients and we've built up relationships with them over the years and now they're friends. And so, you know, at, you know, at the end of, yes, he's, he's, he's a mate of yours and he's coming over for a drink, but at the end of the day, taking photos is what you do for a living. And that is how your relationship began. That may not be how it is now, like I mean, Martin, you've sort of said. I mean, at, at sort of on what level of the friendship scale is someone mm. where they're your friend? So you're just like, hey, take the photo. Whereas, like, and also, I'm curious. Is like, did he ask for the money first, or did like he did the friend say, hey, look, I'd really like that photo. How much do you want for it? And then he's like, oh, yeah. you know, you can have it. He's like, no, 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 I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a million for it. It's like, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> You know what I might have done? I might have, I, yeah, you're right. It depends on the nature of the friendship, Lee. But what I might have done would be, you know what? You want to pay me a million five for that? I'm going to take that million five and I'm going to invest it in this weekend photo and build a network <laughs> out. And then I'm going to give that million five back to you, you know, in five years or ten, whatever, you know. So I'll look at it as an investment. And as a thank you for your investment into my company, here's your split. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Done. Everybody's happy. They're getting their money back, you know, maybe. And, <laughs> and he's got his butt. So I don't know. Interesting. All right, guys, let's move on to the picks of the week. Remember, you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP army as long as it is related to photography in some way. Martin Bailey, what's your pick of the week? Okay, so I've got a couple, and I've got a couple because I know one of, well, both of them are pretty old. It's not new, new news or anything here, but over the weekend, I watched the Finding Vivian Myers uh, movie, and I, you know, I'm sitting there on Apple TV thinking, "What should I watch?" It's just come up here in Japan in the new new releases, and I thought, you know, how interesting can that be? I know that the Vivian Myers photos are are beautiful, um, but I thought, how how interesting can that be? And I watched the trailer, and even more beautiful photos came up and I thought, I've got to watch this. So we sat and watched it and it's an excellent documentary movie. Um, it's, it's almost an hour and a half long. And I honestly was thinking that they, what, what, how can they make it an hour and a half? It, it was over. It seemed like five minutes. It was so interesting, so much stuff in there. So if you haven't already seen uh, the movie finding Vivian Myers, then go and watch that. Um, the other and thing that's on, that's on Netflix, you said. Um, I watched it on on Apple TV. Um, oh, I'm not okay. sure. ITunes. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's on Netflix, but uh, yeah, and that probably will depend on the country you live in as well. Anyway, right. right. Um, the other thing was I've just brought. You know, how you go, you do workshops and and you meet people with cool gear and you come home and buy it. Well, yeah. I've been u- I've been using the black black rapid straps for many years. A couple of the single straps I had before they released the double strap, I was using them crossed over, and then the double strap came out and I bought that. Well, a a friend who who joined my um, my workshop last week, uh, well for the last two weeks, had one of the new black rapid sports. And um, this is this is a, a guy named Jerry Abbott. I haven't got his 
um, permission to use his name. So Jerry, if I've just offended you, I know he listens. Um, if I've just offended you, I'm sorry, mate, but um, it's out there now. Um, but Jerry was showed me this the strap because it's got this this new um, strap that goes under your arm. And I've got black on, so you won't really see that. But this it goes under your arm so that it stops the black the the strap sort of digging into your neck. And I just thought that that was just a nice little addition. So I've bought myself a new Black Rapid strap. Um, it's nice. the it's the Black Rapid Sport. Um, I think it was called. Uh, yeah, the Sport Sling camera strap. And what's the what's the price of that, Martin? Um, I've probably paid too much. I think it's like eighty, just under eighty dollars from the Black Rapid site, seventy nine something. I think I thought I saw. Um, I played a little bit more because I bought it on Amazon here in Japan, and they charge you a little bit extra because they speak English and can order things from overseas. Ah, the translation <laughs> fee. Got it. <laughs> cool, excellent picks. Yeah, I, I think I don't think I've seen that Vivian Meyer movie yet. I'm going to find that. I'll think yeah, I'll. Uh, it's I'll definitely worth a watch. Excellent picks, Martin. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Lee Herbert, you're up. What's your pick of the week? So I've also got um, a couple, um, although, yeah, one and then just something that I saw. So my pick of the week is the X-Rite Color Checker Passport video. Um, so uh, now, actually, I, I put the wrong link up. I do apologize. That's actually the X, X-Rite Passport co- Color Checker Passport for photography. And the, this is the new one for video that I'm picking. Um, so the okay. one, but the thing is the photography one works just as well. So if you, if you are just going to do photography, go out and get the photography one. If you're doing video, go out and get the video one. Um, I've got a review that I wrote about it coming up on F-Stop Lounge, uh, in, in a couple of days, I'll put a link up there. Basically what this is, is you hold it up in front of your cameras when you start shooting. And then there's a really cool plugin you can get for Final Cut Pro called Color Finale. And color finale is for color grading and all that kind of stuff but the beta version of it allows you to basically just click the four points around all the color blocks on the color checker and then it gives you those color like a a chart on top of it you make sure it's on top of it you click match and it will just white balance it for you nice nice so just like just like with raw photos like if you're doing a model shoot you put one of these you know a, a color checker in the scene of the first shot and now you you have a Again, a source of truth that yes. you can color balance against, right? Yeah, and it is, I, I mean, it. you know, just the thing by itself, it's also got, you know, white, gray, black, and it's got a, a focus thing on the back, um, but it's oh, really nice. small, so it's really easy. It's also made out of pretty hard plastic, so it's pretty robust, so I've got no worries about just chucking that into a pocket or a, a bag or something and keeping it with me, and particularly if you shoot with different types of cameras, so I might be on a shoot with a Sony, a Canon, a Panasonic, and a Blackmagic camera, and trying to get those to color match in post can take so long, and this is really, really good. It's not 100% yet, because like I said, the, the, the plugin's in beta, um, but it's pretty much like eight, nine, nine times out of 10, it, it's pretty damn accurate. So love it. definitely, definitely recommend going out and getting one of those. My other kind of pick is um, I got invited last week to go to a presentation by phase one mm. to go check out um, their new 100 megapixel back for their medium format oh. cameras. I gotta look that up. Now, <laughs> there, there are not enough livers in my family that I could sell <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, you have neighbors, right? <laughs> if I lived in an apartment building, maybe I like Grant. I didn't look that hard online, but I was trying to look online to like how much this thing costs, and I couldn't really find it. 
And you know what yeah. they say, if you need to ask, you, you can't, can't you it. can't afford it. But no. the, yeah. pre- the presentation, they had um, Christian Fletcher and um, Peter, I've forgotten his surname, and Tony Hewitt, some really fantastic um, landscape photographers from Australia, some of the top guys in the industry um, come and present. And they were showing some of their photos and let me tell you, when you like, I was like, oh, megapixel war, it's all a bunch of rubbish. But when you see that, like, a, a, this beautiful landscape image that they've taken, which the image itself is beautiful, and then they go to 100% crop and you can see sheep on the mountain. Or when oh. they take a photo of a penguin and you can zoom in and see individual hairs, it's. Oh, yeah. look, they have a zoom scale on the site, too. Yeah. Oh, man, look at this. Check that out. <laughs> oh, God. So, you know what, Martin? I think I see cells dividing. Yeah, Martin, when you sell that $3 million painting, sorry, photo, when you sell that $3 million photo, um, can you lend me a couple of hundred so I can buy one of these? <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, you can see yeah. you can see the, the detail in this penguin's eyeball. Like that's, mm, yeah. that's crazy. Okay, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, but you're going to pay for that. Oh, boy, <laughs> you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Wow. I could just sit on the site all day and look at these <laughs> images. This is crazy. Look at these. Oh, you got it. We'll link to. Oh my god, this is great. They're like, they're like thirty. They're like a hundred shots in every shot that you could just crop out. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like here's one for Frederick's family. I apologize. I didn't tell him to sell the house. Oh jeez. <laughs> I don't think my house would pay for one of these. <laughs> Peter Eastway. That's that's, right. that, that's the Peter that presented. Yeah. This is all of his that's images. Right. Oh, good grief. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit. We need to find out how much those cost, Martin. That's <laughs> that's a that's ridiculous. <sighs> yeah. See, you can see the photographer lust coming out when you can zoom in <laughs> yeah. on an eyeball on a penguin in a crowd of penguins and but, but, see the but, detail in the eyeball of the penguin. But Frederick, it's not about the gear, is it? No. Oh yeah, it is. It's about all of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just because I have a show called All About the Gear doesn't mean it's not all about the gear. All right. Uh great picks, you guys. Um, I have a pick too this week. Let me bring it up here on the screen. Here it is. Okay, so this is a site called masterclass.com. I discovered this, I think it was even through a Facebook ad or something. But I discovered this in this, I wanted to put this as a pick of the week. Not only because Andy Leibovitz has a course that's coming soon in here, but the way that they built these courses is amazing. They did a really good job of these things. And they're not just your typical, you know, uh, person standing or person in front of a computer doing screencasts or, you know, nothing like that. These like the one that I purchased was the uh, James Patterson teaches writing and they've they're they're lee you be proud because they've (laughs) shot these very professionally um and it's almost like you're sitting down having a a whiskey with james patterson and he's just telling you how he what his process is you know it's like oh yeah i do this and i sit in this room and yeah i write all my books on pen and paper on yellow line paper and i hand it to my assistant and you know he's cursing he's just talking (laughs) like he'd be talking to his grandkid or something you know it is uh it's crazy and i this one i just found out about the andy Leibowitz teaches photography that's got to be crazy i showed this to valerie and the first thing valerie said was she's wearing a fuji (laughs) 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 so so i thought i wanted to put this in the show because i thought 
you know, considering the conversation that we had earlier about the state of education mm. and like what those folks at Kelby are going through, I would love to see someone like RC Concepcion come out and do a course like this, you know, where it's just a one, it's glossy, it's awesome, it's not crazy expensive. I think they're like 90 bucks to get one of these things. And it's real. It's different than what the training that we've seen so far. And, you know, with their fame and their followers, they could launch something like this relatively easily. So I thought this was cool. I thought people would, uh, you know, get something out of it. So definitely go check that out. It's at masterclass.com, which is a great URL. Um, uh, the only one that I can vouch for so far is the James Patterson one. I've, I've purchased that one. It's great. But they've got Serena Williams teaches tennis. James Patterson teaches writing. Christina Aguilera teaches singing. They've got Usher teaching singing. They've got, you know, all these people that you would never have access to teaching you how to do the thing that made them famous. So, Excellent. It's, yeah, it is, it's definitely kind of cool. All right, uh, guys, we're at the end of another episode of TWIP. What projects are you guys working on? Do you have coming up? And where can the TWIP army go to keep up with you, Martin? Yeah, like I say, I've, I've just finished one, the first of my two Japan wildlife tours for this year, and I've got the second one coming up this week. Um, the 2017 tours are already sold out, um, so I can't just give you a link to that. But, um, you know, the, if you... All of my tours have a tile on a on a workshops page. Um, so if you go to mbp.ac slash workshops, you'll see details of everything that's coming up. Um, the next one that is actually going to be a, a pretty exciting tour, but uh, it's it's not the cheapest tour I've done. It's That's in Greenland. And the reason for that is because pretty much all of the the moving around is done by Zodiacs or helicopters. So, cool. so it's it's a pretty cool trip. Um, oh, that's cool. But, that yeah, cool. so but we've we've got some spaces on that still. So if anyone wants to join that, uh, you can. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put links in the show notes. But that's at mbp.ac. Yeah, mbp mbp.ac slash workshops. Yeah, that will get to all of it. Um, but okay. you can go directly to the Greenland with slash Greenland two thousand and sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So do you do you feel comfortable telling us how much that Greenland workshop is? Because you kind of had me at. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, it's it's like it's like seven thousand, just under seven thousand dollars. That's not bad. Um, well, yeah, it's, it, it's it's a percentage of what my my uh, my back that Lee made me buy is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think of the photos you could take on the trip with that with that camera. <laughs> yeah hey, yeah hey you, you know guys i've i've actually i've just started a podcast series from the first of my wildlife trips and i've i've shot just shot two weeks of wildlife with with two 5ds r bodies and, and you know it's not a wildlife camera it's a 50 megapixel camera that everyone is is pigeonholing as landscape and still life and all of this yeah and i'm i'm really enjoying blowing all of these myths out of the water because i've i've come back with some amazing um photographs all at 50 megapixels and even if i have to crop them a little bit i've still got almost twice what i've got what i get from my 7d so uh i wow. the, the the megapixels you know i whereas i agree i i did a a a craft and vision photograph magazine article years ago called the the myth what was it the myth of megapixels or something like that you can upsize images if you haven't got many megapixels but there's nothing like having those megapixels and actually be able to print really big mm-hmm. with um, like these these images on the wall behind me. I mean, the detail in in some of these photos, the 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 one of the Himba people there at 50 megapixels is pretty special. 
Um, yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking, mm, 100, I, I could do with that. But uh, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the whole megapixel thing, is it's almost like, you know, it, it's the difference between, yeah, perfectly good enough and great, mm, <laughs> you, know? Mm. you know, or insanely awesome versus, yeah, it's good. It's good enough. You know, it, it does exactly what I need or like zooming in on a penguin's eyeball. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. So cool. All right. That's very good. All right. Uh, Mr. Lee Herbert, what about you? What's coming up and where can people go to keep in touch with you? Um, to keep in touch with me, um, most of my stuff uh, will be going up on the Facebook page, which is Capturing Passion Studios. Um, it's not just mm. Capturing Passion, Capturing Passion Studios. Capturing Passion was taken. Um, okay. And so in terms of stuff coming up, I've got a photo walk that I'm going on with um, Fuji and Think Tank in Sydney in a couple of weeks' time. So that's on the 27th of February. So um, that'll be cool if you're in Sydney. Come along. We'll, we'll have a good time. Um, other than that, I don't really have a lot uh, public stuff that's coming up. So I thought I might just plug something for a friend of mine. Um, so Ken Lyons, who's been a guest a couple of times for Valerie's show, um, he is doing some training in Adelaide. So if, you want to, if you're anywhere near the Adelaide area of Australia, and you'd like to improve your photography uh, again the the hands-on stuff is really good he's a he's a fantastic teacher and a really good um photographer as well so ken lines is uh, ken k-e-n and lines is l-y-o-n-s and if you just google that you'll find his um his site and all of his details okay cool i'm gonna put ken lines workshops in the show notes cool and we'll find it and link to it excellent guys very good show you know this is a this has been one of those shows where, you know, the hour just flies by. We, it's as we record this, we're 13 minutes past the hour. We intended on ending at the hour. But I think honestly, I think we could have talked about that first story uh, <laughs> for a while. You know, the Google and then that second story has legs, too, because it was you know about education and where all that stuff's going. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. So thank you guys for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure having you both. And uh, this week in photo listeners, we are at the end of another episode of the show. I want to thank Fresh Books for their support of This Week in Photo. Be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're watching this show on YouTube, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.